Welcome to Dr. Thoughts, a smart, driven, and fabulous podcast by Drs. Ryan LaValle and Kalia Johnson, where sometimes it's about occupation and sometimes it's just sassy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Dr. Thoughts. It's everybody's favorite academic mama, Dr. Kalia Johnson, and I am here with everybody's favorite coffee house groupie. Is that is that fitting for you, Dr. Okay, Ryan Maybe, yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I definitely am the coffee house groupie, maybe. And I, I do enjoy sitting at a coffee house or a coffee yeah. shop and just you know working and what people watching. So it, it could sort of fit. <laughs> I, I thought it might. I thought it might. I was like, oh, how many coffee houses or coffee shops have we been to together? That's true. We do. Yeah. Know. And you're right. You don't drink the coffee. That's that's left to me. But either yes. way, I figured it was appropriate for today's episode because we are gathered with the team of B3 who have just been the exemplar of building interdisciplinary community focused collaborations that centers a beloved occupation and that's brewing and sharing a cup of coffee so i'm going to turn it over to ryan to introduce them and let you all jump into all things b3 yeah so i am so excited to introduce you all and have you on this podcast because essentially you are my heroes in a lot of ways um, but I I love the work that you all do with B3. I was excited to have two of you as students. Um, and I think you're also exemplars of what OTs, at least in our world, can do in the community, especially from scratch in a lot of ways, since you've built what you're doing up from scratch um, as OTs, but also alongside wonderful other disciplines like SLPs and, and social workers and, and even the business world, which you all have done some diving into recently. So I will let you all introduce yourselves individually, but um, I'm just so excited for you all to be here and to be wonderful examples of community practitioners doing amazing work with, with wonderful people. So Jacqueline, do you wanna start? Sure, um, first off, y'all are our heroes. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, uh, thank you for showing <laughs> us all the possibilities of, of OT and especially community settings. Um, I'm Jacqueline, and I'm supposed to say I'm everyone's favorite, right? Yes. yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to hold you to that. I know. <laughs> Thank you for keeping with the tradition. We did our homework, and we thought about it. Oh, <laughs> these students came prepared for class. Okay, well, maybe I am, but Greg's saying he didn't, so. <laughs> well, you'll go last, Greg. <laughs> so, I am everyone's favorite task lady, and <laughs> I say that because I have, I would say pretty recently mastered the art of delegation, and it's a really beautiful thing, and I always have lots of task lists for all of my interns, and I usually have like five to ten interns at a time, <laughs> so wow super satisfying to have like a team and know that like you're not in it alone so yeah oh yeah nice. let's unpack that more because I, <laughs> I still need to figure out how, how to do that and I was like teach <laughs> me I still struggle with control issues in a lot of ways ask, ask Greg so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Hannah you want to go next 
Alrighty, I'm Hannah Steen. That is how most of our B3 team members refer to me as first and last name. Um, and I would say that I'm everyone's favorite director of fun. That's my new <laughs> title within B3. It's a dynamic process with my title, but this is my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> I love Great. it. And Greg? All right. Um, I'm Greg Bohealer. Why am I saying my last name? I'm Greg. And <laughs> all of my students, I'm Mr. Greg. Um, but I am also an OT. Uh, and oh, God, see, this is just a trap. I don't really deal in absolutes. So I wouldn't say I'm everyone's favorite anything. Um, but I would say that I am a lot of people's is it favorite or best favorite favorite uh -huh. favorite um like just person to be added to the group um that kind of is like a i don't know chameleon yeah i mean no because that would be masking i'm just like a very mellow person and personality um i'm not going to be the director of fun type of thing but so behind the scenes guy How yes yeah. i'm everyone's favorite yeah. yeah if this was if if b3 was a musical i'm the set design costume design uh that's me so i'm everybody's right. favorite <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> everybody's favorite long-winded stage manager yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, and you mentioned you're an OT, Hannah. And what is your background? Oh, yes. I am a current graduate student, uh, UNC's SLP program, so speech language pathology. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm recently very interested in AAC, so um, augmentative and alternative communication um, systems. So um, I've been really loving that and working with autistic children on language acquisition. So that's been my background, but I'm currently still a graduate student. Great. And Jacqueline, your background? Yes. So Greg and I graduated the same year from UNC's OT program. Um, we've been OTs for less than a year. And I'm also executive director of B3 Coffee, and we're all co-founders of B3 Coffee. Yeah. And you all... Um, and Go ahead, Greg. And all of us are neurodivergent. Yes, we should say that too. We're all neurodivergent. Wonderful. And we, I think it's just such a wonderful story. And I think that um, we have to also say that two of you are married to each other. <laughs> um, I would say because of our OT program, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I'm yeah. claiming it. I don't know if they're claiming it, but I'm claiming it. I'm going to say we are the reason that Jacqueline and Greg are newlyweds. Yeah. I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's true we wouldn't have met otherwise so and OT we may have but we would have been like it, we may have met but i think we would have been like competing, Ooh. <laughs> competing. Uh, maybe honestly we would have been building our own thing our own things like you know oh. independently and then maybe at some point realized oh we should collaborate but because we went to school together it just um Merged it up. kind of yeah naturally emerged from that the partnership began with collaboration um so yeah yeah oh, it all started with a classroom assignment look at that <laughs> <laughs> 
were they nice. were reading about snake handling together and, yes. <laughs> and, it, all clicked. and it all clicked well so tell us a little bit about b3 and sort of how it came to be all right so i'll kind of go through the backstory i was working at starbucks uh, throughout my undergraduate experience at unc and really just noticing the way that coffee brings people together and can create interactions across populations that might not otherwise interact. And also Starbucks became, I know this, this sounds a little weird, but it became like a safe space for me being a neurodivergent person. It was, um, that was like my first real job and that's where I developed my social network and it's hard it was hard for me to initiate relationships or friendships outside of that just because i mean it provided this natural structure for forming relationships i guess um so i was also involved in a student organization at the time called best buddies and that organization focuses on facilitating one-to-one -one friendships between folks with and without disabilities and that's all great, but um, it was done in a way that was very con contrived and a little bit patronizing, honestly. Like you have to submit a certain number of friendship updates and attend a certain number of events with your buddy. Just the word buddy is a little bit creepy to me. <laughs> um, it was just, there was this very clear hierarchy between mm -hmm. who's you know, the disabled and who's the non-disabled and, oh, let's go take pictures with, for our Instagram with the person who uses a wheelchair and is just a little bit icky. Um, and so I saw the way that coffee could be this more organic facilitator of social change and um, just community building. And that's how B3 got started. Uh, were you going to add some? Okay. Wait, um, I want to add something. Okay, yeah. So um, with that being said, um, when Jacqueline put the B3 interest meeting on Facebook, um, Best Buddies Brews is yeah, what it was, it was called originally. Originally in partnership with Best Buddies, and that really gave us a platform to build from. Um, so we weren't having to create something out of nothing. And it comes out because I literally thought I was walking into the best buddies interest meeting. And so I show up and it's like Jacqueline and, and um, some of our first team members, a small group of our now our closest friends now. Um, and it wasn't best buddies, but um, I thought it was the coolest idea. And she'll share more about um, what it was that it's, um, origin, but I was like, can I please be involved? And so we kind of, um, we're like yin and yang and it just ended up working out. We just grew together to what we were mm -hmm. before Greg. Yeah. And then Greg came. <laughs> and then Greg came. Greg and now we are here COVID today. came. And then dang, Greg, here you come. <laughs> Yeah, but so what was it at its origin, Jacqueline? So, yeah, um, starting out, we were just a pop-up coffee stand. So essentially, it's like catering. We go to a special event and serve coffee, and it really just provides a platform for folks to be seen and heard and to meaningfully engage in their community and meet people 
And then COVID happened, as, as Greg said, and we had to pivot. Um, and we developed an online community. And this was COVID was honestly the yeah. impetus behind it all. Yeah. Do you yeah. why don't you go well, into this? Well, before that, we were pursuing nonprofit status. And I was like, he, mm. let's make a social thing. So we started having <laughs> um week bi-weekly meetings. It sounds and, like you're really good at directing fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um why this is my favorite title. Um, but yeah, but because the community part was so evident when we were having these initial pop-ups, um, it was the chemistry between our team members was um well, quite diverse, friendly, um, fiery. They have so many interpersonal relationships, but it was so obvious that, that there was community among that. And so I was like, um, let's make it a really social thing. And then um, we had a few kind of socials um, or biweekly meetings that ended mm -hmm. up being more social in nature. And um, COVID hit. And then I was like, we need to do something like this online. And that's mm -hmm. when Zoom um, was becoming humongous because of our classes. And um, we started our weekly Zoom meetings that yes. have gone on for like two and a half years I don't years think now. they'll ever end because <laughs> oh, now they're never. part of everyone's routine. And y'all know how neurodivergent people are when things become a part of our routines. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Greg, do you want to talk about the other dimensions of B3? We've grown a lot since then. Um, mm -hmm. When Greg came into the picture, we were not a nonprofit. We were well, we were not a nonprofit, and then we all three worked together to establish B three as a separate organization and branched off from Best Buddies because there was clearly a values um, mismatch. mismatch and copyright. A little bit. <laughs> that too. Those and small their small logo is just a little bit. Yeah. So, so we're, we're no longer. Buddies brews. We are and that, but that's where the B3 came from because everyone was calling calling it B3. So well, it I did not realize that. Yeah. Yes. Added community, pop-up community, and then where did we go from there? Pop up the social community. Okay. And Greg. Okay. Um <laughs> Greg. I feel like I need to backtrack a minute. Um, yes, yeah, so the three B's being belonging, becoming. Um, those are our three core values. And Jacqueline actually came up with those because she realized, oh shit, I've named this thing. I mean, sorry. Oh crap, I've named this thing. You can curse, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> this is called Dr. I've, Thoughts, Greg. I've named this thing. <laughs> B3 because the best buddies brews. So she had to come up with three things Please. that fit. Um, mm. And this was actually done before grad school, so she did not know about Ann Wilcox. I did not um, at the time oh, of doing wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and then of course now we kind of like loosely attach to that because we are OTs, um, and because I also really like the doing part um, as well. Um, but anyway, so B three was we became a nonprofit, and really the COVID when COVID really kind of shut everything down. That's when we started going from just being pop-up coffee to community facilitation. Um, I really don't like the terminology of community building um, because that does feel like there's a little bit of, I feel like there's hierarchy. I don't know why I can't explain it. It just feels like it. Um, and that's not how community works. Community naturally occurs. Now you may create 
um, opportunities and stuff and experiences within that community um, for people to come together, but it just it's not us. And we get a lot of credit Ooh, for we get a lot of credit true. for building B3, that, but that's not yeah, exactly. Well, I would go to say building because B3 coffee does not just mean us three and our team members built it. I mean, from 15 people coming to word of mouth, I mean, we get like 30 joining. Um, and it was word of mouth. It was our team members well, sharing the um, that these meetings were happening. So I think we built it all together b3 builds yes. upon one community another. builds itself is my point yes um we did not build b3s is, is what i was trying to say yes okay but the we do four bicker a lot by the way we do very <laughs> my favorite thing to do is beat greg it's very healthy um bickering honestly we, like we give each other um all right so there are four parts to b3 pop-up part of b3 it's my least favorite part it's very it's hard to organize. It's all of our least favorite parts. But it's it's probably the team. So nice. I would never have guessed that. Really? Uh, I would have guessed that. Mm -mm. It's so stressful. Um, it's so, a lot. So pop-ups, <laughs> the community part of V3, that is the central piece. I mean, belonging um, is a one of our core values. Um, and then we have two other parts. One of them is the kiosk at we're gonna actually have multiple kiosks, but we have a kiosk at the Chapel Hill Public Library right now. Um, and that we are using right now, we have an internship model where we have every semester, we have new interns, new B3 um, team members, new, um, a lot of different undergrads from different kinds of um, programs who are like wanting to go into like human service fields. Um, and we, we have them work at the kiosk. Um, and then another part of their internship during that semester is community programming. Um, and that's where we get to kind of flex our OT um, muscles. Um, and we have two programs right now. One of them is Belonging in the Workplace, which really deals with a lot of uh, workplace skills, self-advocacy, learning about different um, disability laws and, and things like accommodations. Um, and then there is living your best accessible way. Yes, mm. in an accessible way. And then living your best life, which is the um, it is community life and adulting skills. So, so yeah. community mobility, uh, navigating adult relationships, cooking, cleaning, organizing, using a planner, those types of things. Um, so in summary, four parts, we have the programming, which is the fun OT part. We have the kiosk, we have the, uh, the community, the social part is huge for B3. We have three socials a week right now. Um, and then wow. we have the pop-ups. Yeah. And sorry. One, thing, sorry, one thing I'll add to the description of the kiosk is that we designed a transitional model uh, so that we can really hope to affect broader social and economic change versus giving 10 people a job and they stay there forever. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we chose internships. The semester based. That way we can start building partnerships with local employers and potentially train them on inclusive practices and have our team members involved in that. And then connect our team members with those employers who are open to uh, hiring our, our people with disabilities um, as well as our allies. So it really is a no hierarchy model um, between 
people with and without disabilities. So allies, that's what they're referred to. Everyone broadly is a team member, but you know, if we're gonna make a distinction, we have allies and people with disabilities operating the stand together collaboratively. The non-disabled person is not a supervisor of the disabled person. They have the exact same roles. I've written, yeah. I've written it out and double check myself just to be sure that they have <laughs> the same roles. Mm -hmm. um, they may get something different from the experience, but mm -hmm. that's um, part of that is because they're different people um, yeah. and different people get different things from experiences, but the roles and responsibilities are the exact same. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes they'll switch roles halfway through the shift. That's so. what I was going to say. It's really not consistent what, who is um, on customer service or who is being the like barista or the um, person making the um, beverages or serving the pastries we have. It is different every time they switch. There's um, no pattern. It really is um, what they like what they gravitate towards and um between the two they work it out um as co-workers teammates i heard the word pastry and it took me back to a pound cake that i had at your pop-up um earlier in the oh that you know what that was last year because i was pregnant and i think about it that's just how <laughs> much that that pound cake stuck with me y'all okay. i heard it was like oh my god they had some pound cake oh. at a pop-up that they did that was so good. So y'all, please go check it out and make sure you pick up <laughs> some pound cake. I, excuse me, Ryan, I just had to say that. <laughs> can, I, can I go with that aside real quick? Yeah. So yes, um, our pastries are made by a team member. Um, his name is Rico and his mom has like a social care type of farm mm -hmm. um, and they have an industrial kitchen and they make phenomenal pastries. Um, in oh. fact, I am in the fall looking to do some kind of theme weeks or like limited time items um, and pastries will be a part of that. So, cause much like you, there was a scone that I had. The blueberry one? Blueberry, blueberry lemon scone over a year ago. And I want to somehow have it one more time. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's serving my own purposes to have so these theme good. weeks. So I, I know <laughs> that our listeners are hearing you all talk about all the work that you're doing and all the really exciting things that B3 is doing. And I know that they're wanting to know if this is your full-time job and if you're paid or how it's working that you are actually able to do this. And if so, if it's not your full-time job, how are you doing that full-time job or that other job and doing this at the same time? So um, I know there's definitely some community OTs out there or community practitioners in general who are like, how do we make this happen? <laughs> oh, okay. So it's, I'll go first because I think my answer is um, much more simple, but it's not my job. And I kind of set that boundary that it was not going to be my job. And that's why I am director of fun. Um, a more <laughs> casual title um, <laughs> that I love and will flaunt around. <laughs> but um, I wanted B3 to be my social outlet, my, my true community, um, what I enjoy when I want to enjoy it. Um, so that is why I've decided that I want to be a, a more traditional SLP um, when I graduate and um, let this but be my outlet. Neurodiversity affirming, right? <laughs> Yo, language class. is complex. I would love for Jacqueline to attack language acquisition. 
from um <laughs> because it is but um yeah yeah uh greg and i work part-time for b3 we both have full-time jobs as well um both of our full-time jobs we are vintage as you would say yes <laughs> yes vintage ot <laughs> uh and community-based uh, and uh, in a lot of ways, our role, our full-time roles overlap that's with what, what we do with B3. Yeah. And that's how we make it possible. You, yeah, you absolutely. If you're going to, because I mean, even, even though we get paid part-time to work B3, you still put in hours um, that are beyond that. And, but if it overlaps with your other role, like overlapping is huge. Um, so one of the things she was talking about earlier was that we, are very interested in creating and expanding like a coalition of inclusive employers in the local Chapel Hill area and then the Triangle area. Um, and that work may be done either in the name of B3 after hours, or it may be done with our, our actual jobs. Um, but either way, it, it fits both, um, both pathways that we're pursuing, mm -hmm. so. And through connections made through your different um, occupations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so much of what we learn through B3 informs what we do professionally. Like, I'd say we have, well, Greg and I give lots of talks on neurodiversity affirming practice. A lot of the examples that we bring up come directly from stories from our, from working alongside yeah. our team members. Yeah, from our friends, honestly. Yeah. Oh, and I carry, I had one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten was someone telling me I was thinking through an occupational lens when it came to a little um, with an AAC device, because I would, I suggested creating a folder. So to keep adding on to his favorites of the time so that if he's still using this device when he is whatever age, he can sit at the table and share those memories just like any of us could any of his family could and it was um a mother that has an ot background but um i didn't even think that was an occupational therapy kind of thing because i'm <laughs> so immersed in it um and i see that my friends love talking about their past mm. and um yeah yeah and i wonder if, if you all could just talk a little bit about like you know, what do you, what do you pull in? What are the skills that you're using as OTs or as an SLP in this work? Like what, what's the, the bread and butter that you're pulling into the meal for, for doing this work? Well, everything's centered around occupation. When you think about it, uh, the coffee part, it's, it's interesting, you know, that's what our branding is. And um, that's what a lot of our activities are based on is making coffee, drinking coffee together. Um, but actually a lot of our team members don't even like coffee, believe it or not. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's more of like this medium for connection. And I'd say socialization is, is really one of the biggest occupations that, that we focus on in B3 and um, just facilitating collaboration between populations that typically are are kind of sidelined from each other um what else i mean in our programming in our living your best life and belonging in the workplace we're constantly making adaptations to 
support diverse needs and we just go with the flow and um it's what do you think what would you say <laughs> like what was the original question but like how do we use an OT lens <laughs> oh yeah um well i'll give you a little bit of props ryan um i do uh <laughs> always apply what i've named my contextually cognizant lens um and that is <laughs> a mindset that is constantly looking at the different contexts that are at play looking at the different environmental factors um for each individual because um our organization is like embedded with the disability community there is so much um like variety within within our team members um and it's important to to be mindful of of their individual differences their individual learning styles and um i would say that one of the things ot based that we've definitely adopted is is being mindful of those different those different environments different um contexts and then um applying principles of universal design to mm -hmm. our um not just our our kiosk you know how to make x y and z coffee but also to our social events um mm -hmm. and and just making it as accessible as possible and then being open-minded to not open-minded but wanting to be responsive to what other people have to say what team members have to say um, because a lot of the, the adaptations and stuff we didn't even think of at first and then we mm -hmm. we either hear them say something um or a parent goes hey this is something i've been using or we see um something that is maybe like a struggle and we we kind of play around with different mm -hmm. accessibility features and approaches i guess yeah i just i asked the question just because i i know that there are people out there who are like how does this even work you know like y'all aren't ot's you're just like community people or something but you know i think there are specific ways where we're pulling on specific skills and ways of thinking about the world that that help you move through those spaces and and do the and the open mindedness like obviously in school i guarantee you none of you all probably looked at um assistive technology for <laughs> some of the activities that you're that you're doing but um you know i don't think a sock aid is necessarily <laughs> something that's coming out much in b3 right now um but you know like I think that the idea and the ability to flexibly sort of move and shift with it is something that I think any sort of therapist um, has to sort of pull in, even though I don't think you all would probably even identify as a therapist in, in the role that you're in. Um, yeah. No, we therapy perspective. And what do you call it? I'm community OT, but yeah, but I mean, in this context, I wouldn't call ourselves therapists. That would. Mm -hmm really create the hierarchy that we're trying to right. dismantle so yeah so, uh, so powerful that's yeah. the thing like um I uh, we were on um another podcast and I was called a speech language professional because a pathologist carries so mm. much mm -hmm. um negativity and that's just like a result of societal beliefs um mm. but then you think professional carries a lot of inequity, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's just like education, which is an entire privilege in itself. So I don't know, it's hard. Language is so hard. And I think that's probably why we stray away from any kind of title like that when it comes to what we do in B3. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what we do, what we studied. We have 
used the terminology OT informed, like some variation <laughs> of that many, many times, um, because it is coming from a, like a foundational basis of our, our understanding, like that OT lens, um, but it is not, it's not there. And I'll, I'll also just say, I think community OTs look beyond ADLs um, and even IADLs. We look at community participation, systems navigation, like some of these more macro level um, ways of being. And for many of our team members, they're systemically marginalized in some way. And so we are supporting them to really break down those larger barriers that exist when it comes to an employment, when it comes to community living, um, when it comes to higher education, just lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we tend to think a little bit outside of the box in that way. I think we take it from a place of humility too. Like, I mean, we just because um, we had this education doesn't mean we leave a community programming session think, thinking, wow, that was incredible. We did that so well. We knew exactly <laughs> what we were doing. We are professionals. No. no, we have left some of them like, wow. Yeah. Ha, wow. Like that would have been better in what our were we trying? We were trying to teach the difference between an accommodation and well informal versus oh formal. informal and formal <laughs> support oh, yeah. they did not get it like you know like natural support you get from your coworker. Mm. Um, you know you I had a version of that someone course. might remind you of something or you might create a sticky note for yourself like that kind of thing versus getting putting in a formal request for an accommodation that you need a diagnosis and etc and that did not like so imagine well. making that fun and engaging and <laughs> it, uh, Greg and I leading it like it was um really hilarious and so really like yeah coming from a place of humility like we are first um they're around their age too mm -hmm. so um that's been interesting I feel like I've grown up alongside the B3 yeah. team like mm. I I was actually going to say I'm everyone's favorite OT who needs OT because I really mm -hmm. struggle a lot and like with adaptive life skills. And so I learn right alongside them, especially when it comes to things like cooking and budgeting. <laughs> so um, we're, we're in it together. And it really is that atmosphere of, of, you know, we're, no one's better than one another we're all just learning so yeah I mean it really I mean it's I just think you you all are really sort of painting the picture of what a community model really looks like not just community model of practice or community model of, of business a community model of anything really right just how all of these things come together to like the, the the synergy just seems to be so organic that it just makes sense that all of these things came together the way that, that they have, you know, between your personal histories, your, you know, experiences, both graduating through an OT program, being part of a speech language um, and hearing sciences program that, you know, plus that the, the experiences with, with business and the community that it made, it made sense. And I really appreciate that you know, you all, you, you show that, yes, this thing is possible. There are challenges. This is how we work through it and still continue to build our community 
um, in a way that is one, sustainable, because I've watched this thing grow for a long time. Um, and I, I always say just how incredibly, you know, proud I am of, of what you've able, you all have been able to accomplish, but that you bring the entire Chapel Hill community with you, though, and not just Chapel Hill, you know, surrounding areas. So I hope that, you know, our listeners are taking these, these gems that you all are dropping, really, um, to heart and how it is that I draw on my, my own personal history build on my interests through my education, whether it's formally in school or informally through partnerships in the community, get together with like-minded folks and really do some things that are transformative for folks who are often forgotten about, right? And this, yeah. this, is, this is what I love about, about B3. And that was my long-winded way of getting to that very last point. But uh, <laughs> I just, you know, want to really, really emphasize that. So and I, I would I would oh I was just gonna say I was gonna just really emphasize the fact that I also think that as much as you've been organic you've also been very strategic and a really I that's what I'm so proud of because you have leveraged our business school you've gotten grants from our business school you've leveraged community partners and and grants through um, the the Chapel Hill town um, the what is it, the Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, so I think you all have had your eyes out for opportunities and really snagged them when you could. Um, and I think that that's something that people often forget that it takes that energy and it takes that time, much like in research, you know, right, with yeah. grants and things, you just, you have to be on the lookout and you have to be willing to put the time and energy into to doing the throwing the fish hook out there so you can reel something in ultimately. Um, but I, I just think you all really did a nice job of actually pushing that and really being strategic about the partnerships that you, you built over the years. And it's coming to fruition. Well, they've only just begun. Yeah, I think it really yeah. comes to the power perspective too. Like each time one person has been acquired, it feels like 10 other um, community organizations have been involved you know it's mm -hmm. like we all come with these ideas and it that you know comes with reaching out and doing and connecting it's been this whole web and being a student or being students was really um we we did utilize that kind of privilege I don't know I'm it really is such a privilege to be in a university that has so much to offer and that's been really wonderful for mm -hmm. B3 um we've also just had so many wonderful community supporters in the form of families and friends and mentors. Mm -hmm. um, it truly has taken quite a bit of community to even get here. Um, so it's it's been a really- it's that coalition place. building, abundance-based. Yeah. Based, yeah. <laughs> based well, it's community. Hold on, I need to say something. So <laughs> I, I feel like OTs often have this mindset that anything is possible with OT and that's just not true. Like, <laughs> yes, we can do, and I know you say this, Ryan, and this, I'm sure I'm just echoing you here, but we have to know our scope of practice and what we focus on is occupation. And I'm sorry, but I can't do bookkeeping for B3. I can't understand the laws around nonprofits. I've learned a lot from <laughs> from our legal students who consult with us. 
but you know, business totally out of my realm. We've had so many students come intern with us and teach us so much. Um, so I just want to be sure that like we're not positioning ourselves as the experts in anything related to, to B3. And I think that that really comes through in our, our model. And the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on was we focus just as much on training allies within B3 as we do supporting our team members with disabilities. And I feel like you don't often see that. It's always about the people with disabilities need help. Mm -hmm. um, for us, we really wanna see growth when someone, you know, an undergrad student, a grad student comes into B3 and they're like, hey, I can get some nice pre-OT pre experience. We want to see growth in their ability to really comfortably interact with our team members with interact. some sometimes complex communication mm -hmm. styles. Yeah. Um, we want to see growth in their ability to facilitate our team members' self-advocacy and really center them um, mm. in leadership roles within our organization. And that does come with taking a step back for us too. People need space to learn and grow and make mistakes without looming eyes. Um, not that we are at all, but it can feel like that because it's so natural for us. Have we been taught these things in class? Yes. And have we also gotten that experience through being with um, our team members for so long? Yeah, there's been a lot of history and we um, want, we never want someone to feel like we know we do, we want to give space and allow them to do and yeah. learn and grow yeah. with our team members. Because um, Greg and I absolutely, well, I, I don't know about you. I absolutely came from a charity mindset at one point. And so everyone has to start somewhere. You probably didn't. I didn't. And I self-checked. <laughs> I, I did an ableist check on myself, um, which I was able to do because it, I wrote a, I was diagnosed with ADHD in high school and then later autism. Um, but I wrote a senior exit project and I did a children's book um, and it was about disability. Um, and I was like, oh, wait, I remember that I did that book. Let me go back and see how like ableist I was. And actually, I was pretty good. So um, <laughs> some little pat on the back for that. But um, but but okay. what yeah, self love. But so. but what she's saying, yeah. There's ne you're never not going to be ableist. Um, ever. It's just not possible. You're never. There's always going to be something. Um, but what she's saying is that struck with me is um, as with community being like a central piece of what we're doing, um, that expands beyond the disability community because if we're not if we're not incorporating the whole community like bringing in those community mm -hmm. partners um for providing opportunities for uh like visibility for our team members um then we're not really doing community right and um and mm -hmm. as a part of because we're dealing with like a marginalized group we're dealing with individuals with disabilities um it is important to promote that like allyship type of training out into the general um, community um, in what we're doing. Um, so learning, like knowledge sharing and learning is super important for what we do um, at B3. And it's important as we share with others, but it's also important for us. Um, I found one thing that uh, has 
will always be a part of probably all three of us is that we're always going to keep challenging ourselves to learn more, always be listening to different mm -hmm. perspectives, because if you're not doing that, then you're going to become stagnant yeah. or you're going to become um, the, whatever the opposite of like humble is, I guess, too proud and arrogant. Um, and, and then you will miss things um, mm -hmm. because the world is constantly changing. Yeah. The community like is constantly we changing. We recently decided to try to figure out the difference between SSI and SSDI because it is so complicated. I don't know how any fam family figures it out. Um, I'm working on it. <laughs> I um, yeah. also think that I um, feel so blessed because I came into my program with so much experience with um, different um, styles of communication and um, different family dynamics um, because we all kind of dabble in the direct support professional world and um, worked with a lot of families and got to know, we've gotten to know a lot of um, young adults. And um, now my ideas are being challenged when I talk to the parents of young children. So, um, which mm -hmm. I would have not thought. I was kind of, um, it's just, it takes really listening and um, perspective yeah, just seeking perspective and seeking to learn. And I think we want to seek to be more inclusive in B3 mm -hmm. to get varied perspective on all fronts. Um, so that's that's an ongoing. Yeah, we absolutely have a lot of work to do when it comes to representing intersectionality within B3. Um, and that's something we're very upfront about as well. And so we, we're all white. Yeah. And well, we do have Pretty. two females as a part of the co-founding unit, which is good. Um, but we also are building this in an area, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, which is number one, it has a huge disability population, which is great for us. Um, but the reason it has a huge population is because there are so many resources here. Um, and that has partly to do with the fact that there are three universities in the, tri like three big universities in the triangle area. Um, but this, we know that built, where we're building B3, where we started, it's just a starting place because um, it is a very, um, a very privileged area. And we have a lot to learn about how we can expand um, B3. And, if, and, and, and we're realists, we can't solve like the world's problems, but if we can create a small change in this area and mm -hmm. make something that's replicable. like replicable. Well, we did. We we did, you know, replicate it within Elizabeth City, North Carolina. That's our only really active replication site right now. And that's a more rural area of North Carolina, but we'd like to be doing more of that. So we want to make something that can be replicated elsewhere. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, you all have, you know, one, I think shared some amazing advice about, you know, where students and even active practitioners can um you know, do better about um, uh, picking up the the per perspectives of people with disabilities, right? And and working with and not on, and just all of the important considerations that we have to make when we say we are in partnership and in coalition with people. But I also want to point out the fact that Greg keeps dropping hints about sort of what's coming next um, for for B three. So in that spirit of like giving advice and what's coming up next like what are the I guess 
the the one sort of take home thing that you would share with another OT student or our speech and um, hearing sciences student about um, working in the community with people with uh, disabilities and building a brand essentially because that's what B three is um, and and business going forward. So what is one piece of advice we would give? Yeah, uh, I'll go first. Okay, I get to do my um, my authenticity and vulnerability bit. Um, so <laughs> come on, is, stage manager. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stage manager. Yes. Uh, so uh, one thing when working with not just this community but working with people um, is, but definitely with uh, the disability community is to embrace like authenticity in, in your actions and how you're interacting with people. Um, and it's important to do that um, for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but one of the, the biggest reason is because when you create an authentic space where people feel safe to be who they are and they like be their free true selves, um, that, I mean, that's the best kind of, of interactions. Those are the best kinds of communities. Mm -hmm. Um, and when with disabled people, um, so then my second piece is embracing vulnerability. Um, so promoting authenticity and vulnerability. And vulnerability is also important, um, especially when you're dealing with uh, like marginalized groups because there are existing power dynamics automatically as you enter into any, you know, if you're a disabled person, as you enter into any situation, there's a power dynamic that's there. Um, and because of those inequitable power dynamics that exist, um, you know, the whole like intersectionality thing, um, people who are marginalized are constantly having to be vulnerable whether they want to or not. Um, we have to ask for help from so-and-so because they have the power in this situation. So when dealing with these communities, um, when, when being a part of them, um, embracing authenticity and like sh sharing it, and then you'll, hopefully get it back and then also um being vulnerable yourself is is very important um because it shows it it doesn't level the playing field fully but it does kind of it, it feels like it does in some way because it shows them that being vulnerable is is okay like it's just a natural it's totally normal it's normalizing vulnerability and uh, i so will say that, that we might too sometimes that vulnerability isn't completely um acknowledged as that you know it's sometimes this learned helplessness i hate to say that but it's like i need help to connect and um through b3 in our programming we i don't know if i want to say empower but we support um in a natural way so that you're it doesn't feel like helping to connect mm. with um, people it's because it's this culture ability. of interdependence yeah. that you know it's not even really we're sitting together uh, we're doing together someone is not over the other doing something it's you know interabled yeah, tables working together that sounds like your your advice is about sort of an equitable uh, and inclusive building equitable and inclusive spaces Right for people yes. to be able to yeah. to engage organically, mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And how about you, Jacqueline? What's your piece of advice? Oh my! Um, <laughs> Greg's showing me what I had previously 
written. Um, <laughs> good. Point. I feel like I've already said this, but okay. obviously centering those who have lived experience. Um, and oh, I'd say starting to understand disability as a culture. Mm -hmm. And if we understand disability as a culture, then we can start to practice cultural humility. And that's what's really needed in order to uh, facilitate self-actualization, authenticity, belonging, all of these things that we're talking about really rely on us to take a step back as quote unquote professionals um, and really take the lead of those who are, um, you know, we're supposedly serving <laughs> and Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what that's what I would say. Yes. I, as a student who is going into my last year as a student, I um, have taken from my first year of grad school and my experience with B3 is to remain humble um, because, you know, I see this group of um, quite diverse um, individuals, but um, that is so tunnel vision. And mm-hmm. I did not realize that until I started working alongside an SLP with other populations. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that came in the form of, you know, in the school system, Mm -hmm. quite diverse group. Um, Now I'm in Mm -hmm. a private practice. I see a lot of parent perspective and um, it has humbled me. So even though I've had this wonderful experience with quite diverse group of communicators, I see such tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. And um, so, staying humble, staying out of this. I know what um, Mm -hmm. communication is like for many people and what that experience is like for families and just knowing that I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. and I'm learning and I will continue to learn. It's really interesting how we're often coming from this stance as therapists that we're trying to fix or change you, right? And if instead we provide the access, the appropriate supports, the safe space, um, the in, the atmosphere of interdependence. Like it's amazing how organically people can grow from that and, you know, gain all the skills versus, mm-hmm. you know, we're skill building. We, we rarely yeah. say like we're work readiness or we're a skill building <laughs> organization because I mean, trust mm-hmm. me, people do build skills coming out of B3, but that's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is that people feel a sense of belonging, but that's the foundation that's needed to build skills. If you can't be your authentic self in a space and be well-regulated and, you know, you're not going to, it's hard to build from that. Um, So I think we kind of need to flip the script there. And I know that's hard with all the, for a bunch of systemic reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea that I think sort of wraps a lot of the way that you all do your work up into at least as much of a nice little package as we might be able to offer in these, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour is like thinking of disability as a culture allows for a, a deep complexity that I think is often misunderstood um, or often given to other cultures. Um, And to be able to think about, it's not just changing the person, it's also not just changing society. It's about 
meeting in the middle and the doing together that allows the culture to really come together. And it's not always one or the other. It's not that you need to just go policy fight because some people need to change their bodies and feel better about it. And that's okay. Um, because pain is a real thing, <laughs> you know, and so figuring out how to step into a culture is a very different approach than going in and trying to save a problem. Um, and I think you've really embodied that in the way that B3 has developed um, across all of its its organizational things. So I really want to just thank you all for for coming on the podcast and and offering that description and, and a real life example of sort of living out so many of these wonderful ideals that we talk about in therapy and and I would say radical for um, the from a, a proportional perspective, not from a um, an actual moral or ethical perspective, <laughs> um, and just the sense that there's not enough of us doing this sort of work um, and embodying the type of practice that we should be embodying as practitioners. Mm -hmm. So um, I will say thank you for coming on the podcast. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Just Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank it's you. Been so <laughs> yeah, we greatly appreciate it. And Hannah, you have certainly, I think, led the conversation as a director of fun and Jacqueline <laughs> and Greg, both in your roles, uh, supporting roles. Um, as yeah. somebody who is very good at delegating and Greg is somebody who is, I, I think you're also very task oriented, even in that stage manager persona that you have, <laughs> being able to corral everybody and and um in conversation oh, he gets a lot of tasks <laughs> and i awesome. our shared google calendar that were made by jacqueline yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i echo ryan again with saying thank you all very much for being um on on the podcast with us and please tell everybody where they can follow you all sure so you can find b3 coffee at B3 Coffee on Instagram and Facebook. If you wanna follow my personal Instagram account, which I have some OT community advocacy <laughs> content on there, it's Jacqueline Gerda underscore OT. Do you want and anyone then to follow yours? B3Coffee.org is oh, yeah. if you wanna get connected um, or added to the email list. We also have a calendar on there mm -hmm. for events, especially if you're local. Stop into a weekly meeting. They do change days sometimes, but they're a blast. They're so fun. You can yeah. find the link on our website. Our virtual meetings are truly open to the public. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all again so much. And you all be sure to check out B3. Until next time.